They really are, and in the, Christmas, in, in, the, in the Christian church, we celebrate those 12 days. Today is the first Sunday after Christmas, and the gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 2, and our meditation, our sermon is going to be based on those words from Luke chapter 2, so I invite you to have your bulletins open there to page 10 as we think about the boy Jesus there in the temple, all the while keeping in mind his plan of salvation for us. I want to begin just by reminding of you who you are, your identity that we receive through baptism. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of the theory that, that in order to write Luke's infancy narratives that we have in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, that Luke interviewed... Mary. Now, he could, the Holy Spirit could have just whispered all of the events into the ear of Luke, and he could have written them down about the manger and the stable and the angels that were singing and the shepherds that kneeled at a feeding trough. The Holy Spirit could have just whispered it in Luke's ears, but God usually doesn't work that way. Usually, he works through more humble means and more earthly means like an interview. (laughs) So I think that the beginning of Luke's gospel is written kind of sort of like this, that Mary and Luke sat down, and Luke asked her questions like, Mary, can you tell me what happened? Tell me the story of your son, Jesus. And she began to tell the story about how the the angel had appeared to her, about how the Holy Spirit had hovered over her and made her pregnant, about the angels singing at night and these strange shepherds who ran up and began to worship the baby, about how this same baby later grew up to die on a cross and rise again. I think that that Mary told Luke all of these very emotive and wonderful details that we have in Luke chapter 1 and and Luke chapter 2. And and I think that Luke tipped his metaphorical hat to Mary when he twice writes at the beginning of his gospel, his mother treasured all these things in her heart. As if to say she remembered exactly what happened and then she told me about it. If this is true that Luke's gospel, his material, comes from an interview that, that Mary gave, then, then Mary was a very private woman. Because what we have here in his gospel is literally a giant fast forward. And I think you can feel it. Because maybe you thought, Pastor, wasn't Jesus born just two days ago? And now he's 12? What happened? And and if you read Luke's gospel from Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 2, what we have is this beautiful, very emotive story about angels and shepherds and all of those good things. And then you have the baby Jesus, eight days old in the temple. And then all of a sudden, he's 12. I mean, to say that this is abrupt is an understatement. 
This is the omission of omissions. We know almost nothing about the early life of Jesus, his infancy or his childhood. We don't know at what age he walked. We don't know if he liked to eat fruits or vegetables or both. We don't know what his first words were. We know nothing about his early life. And I think that's because Mary didn't tell Luke about it. Because she was a very private person. But she does tell us one story. And it's shocking for its inclusion. I wonder if during that interview that that Luke said to Mary, are you sure this is the one story you want recorded about Jesus' childhood? Couldn't you tell a different story? And Mary would have responded by saying, no, Luke, this is the one I want written. It's shocking because the details of the story are so embarrassing for Mary. I mean, of all the stories, this is the one that is the most embarrassing for her of all. The facts of the story are are blatantly obvious, aren't they? She lost Jesus. (laughs) Let me say that again. She lost Jesus. Jesus for three long days. And if any mother should have kept his eye, her eye on her son, it should have been her. If any mother should have kept watch over her son day and night, it should have been the Virgin Mary. Because this was no average or normal child. This is what's God's son. This was the only hope for a dying world. This was the Redeemer of the creation come to save the world, and Mary lost Him. This is the sin of all sins, to lose Jesus. And this is the story that she decided to share. I mean... God the Father would have been right to say, you are an unfit mother. In fact, you're not even fit to be a babysitter because you lost a 12-year-old boy, and so I'm just going to take him back into heaven because you people can't take care of him. But to add to Mary's embarrassment, she decides it's a good idea not to take responsibility. She decides that it's not her fault. In fact, it's Jesus' fault. (laughs) That's what she says. Let me read you what she says when she finally finds Jesus. She says, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So now it's Jesus' fault? So now the mature adult mother blames the minor, so now the sinner blames the Holy One of God for her neglect and irresponsibility? I mean, even a normal mother knows that deep down, 
when she lose her loses her child, it's not the child's fault. It's never the child's fault, is it? It's always due to the parent's own negligence. But Mary can't accept responsibility. Somehow it's got to be Jesus' fault. And as if to add insult to injury, when Jesus lovingly and very gently explains the whole thing to her, she doesn't get it. This is what Jesus says to her. Let, let me read those verses to you again. Jesus says to her, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. It's as if Jesus and Mary are talking together, but they're not, because Jesus' words just whiz right past Mary. She doesn't get it. She's thinking to herself, Jesus, your father is Joseph, hello, and his, his house is not in Jerusalem, it's up in Nazareth. Why are you sitting here in the temple? And as we're sitting here today, we're saying, Mary, why don't you understand this? Because Jesus' father is actually not Joseph. It's God the Father. And Jesus' father's house is not in Nazareth, it's in Jerusalem, and so then it makes perfect sense that Jesus would be found right there in his father's house, right there in Jerusalem, but Mary doesn't get it. She can't perceive it. She can't understand it because she's right in the middle of it. And I think this is going to sound strange. This is why Mary tells this story to Luke, and Luke to us. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of sermons preached on this little narrative, and I've heard people and pastors preach things like, children, this is why you should obey your parents, because Jesus, look at Jesus, he obeyed his parents too, shouldn't you as well? And I've heard pastors preach sermons like this one, like, if Jesus went to Bible study, shouldn't you? And I've heard sermons preached like, hey parents, listen up. Mary and Joseph brought their children where? To the temple every single year. And shouldn't you also bring up your children in the instruction of the Lord? But I think, I think if this is the main message that you walk away with from Luke chapter 2, then we've really missed it. We've missed Luke's point and the reason that Mary tells this very embarrassing story. Because what we have here, and the biggest message of all, is that Jesus always has a big, incomprehensible plan to save us. And we almost never understand it. This is a pattern as you keep reading in Luke's gospel. That Jesus shares who he is. And his work of salvation and the people just don't get it. 
Mary, she is the first example in his Bible, but she in his gospel, but he's certainly not the last. Peter's and his brother disciples are the most egregious example, of course. Jesus, over and over again, he explains his person and his work to them. I have come to die for sins. And they never understand it. Here's one example of that. Luke says this, that Jesus begins to explain his passion. It goes something like this. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. And then Luke follows up with a comment. But they did not understand what it meant. Over and over and over again, Jesus explains his purpose, but the people are dull to it. They can't understand why. It wasn't too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, that I read a blog, and, and the tit- it was titled, If I Only Knew Why. It was written by a woman who was divorced. But that wasn't the only pain she had experienced. She was also one of the few people to get polio. Even though there's a vaccine for it, if you don't know anything about polio, it slowly paralyzes the body. But that wasn't all. She also lost her only son due to a mistake by a doctor. And, and she literally spent years, if not decades, she says, trying to figure out why. But she could never understand it. She could not perceive it. And, and so she comes to this conclusion. She wrote in her blog, Well, I thought that freedom would be found in answers. True freedom was actually found in surrender. I didn't need to figure it out. It didn't need to make sense to me. I didn't need to understand the details. I just needed to trust God. Because God is always doing 10,000 things in your life. And you may not be aware of three of them. I think Mary could have written that blog, too. No, she wasn't a divorced woman. But she was a woman who lost her husband at an early age. And she was a woman who lost her son, once for three days, but again when he was hung on a cross. And in the middle of it, through her tears and anxiety at losing her son, she must have wondered, why, Lord? But Mary wasn't called to understand. Mary was called to trust. That's why Mary shares this story. Because we're not called to understand either. We're called to trust. That's why Luke hits the fast-forward button, and we land on this story that Mary cannot perceive. He wants us to know that we don't have to understand why we got cancer. We don't need to be able to get about why we lost mom the way we did. 
We don't need to know why last year miscarried not once but twice. We don't need to know why we have breathing problems. We don't need to perceive or understand why we lost that job or why we're not married when we wanted to be married years ago. We don't need to understand. We're not called to understand. We're called to trust. Mary, she couldn't see what Jesus was up to. Not at the time, but Luke, he, he's got all kinds of hints about what Jesus is doing. And maybe, maybe you picked up on them in this little narrative that he gives to us. Here in this story, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem at the Passover for the very first time. And he will not go up to Jerusalem at the Passover again until he dies on a cross for the sins of the world. Here we have Mary losing Jesus at Jerusalem during the Passover for three days. And Mary will not lose Jesus in Jerusalem at the Passover again until he's hung on a cross and she loses him for three long days. And here Jesus is found alive and well again after three days. And once again, she will be fine, he will be found alive and well again by Mary after three days. See, Jesus had a plan, didn't he? And he's laying all kinds of hints. This is what I'm going to do. But Mary didn't need to understand it. She couldn't understand it. She was called to trust in Jesus' plan, that it would all be all right, that the things that pierced her soul were the same things that would eternally save her. And so I think that when Luke and Mary sat down, and Luke was going to tell this story about Jesus that Mary said, Luke, this is the story I want you to write down. Because there's going to be people who will lose sons and daughters. There's going to be people in the future who get cancer. There's going to be people who lose husbands and wives. And they're not going to be able to understand why. And I want those people to know that one day it'll all be clear. And that one day God will reveal what His plan always was. That His plan was to save them eternally. Amen.